This podcast is brought to you by MonthlyChallenge.fit. It's like Weight Watchers, Better Help, and The Biggest Loser Had a Baby. Check it out, MonthlyChallenge.fit. Today on episode number 421, I've talked how weight loss is so much in your brain. And today I've got the author of my favorite book on this subject, Chasing Cupcakes, Elizabeth Benton, is here on the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, where we take a no-nonsense approach to weight loss. We left our excuses in the past and we've forgiven ourselves for abusing the gift that is our bodies. From this point forward, our health is more important. We will stay focused. We will stay determined. We will sacrifice now knowing that it's not going to be easy so that we can live a better tomorrow. We understand that weight loss is a marathon, not a sprint. It's about making lifestyle changes and that the only person who can stop you is you. You know where you are now and you know where you want to be. The new you begins today. Let's go. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it thin. I want to try it thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to dip to die it thin. Won't tell you lies thin. I want smaller thighs thin. But I realize I guess I'll have to Womp, womp, womp. Hey, welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Our website is LogicalLoss.com. And I know you're like, Dave, you used to be super like you were here every Monday. And if you're new to the show, I'm in the process of not moving once but twice. I'm moving my sister out of a house and then I'm moving myself into her house and my sister is somewhat of a special needs kind of person. And so it's a very, very long process. But the last time I talked to you was August 24th. I hope you, if, if you're in the States, I hope you had a great Memorial Day. It rained all day here in the uh, States. But if we do the weigh in, ooh, I am up two pounds since the last time I spoke with you. Last time we talked, I was down to 225. I was knocking on the door and the bottom line of this is, and I've said this before, and I said it on the last episode, I need to find time to exercise because I'm mistaking being active because picking up, you know, tons of boxes and carrying them up and down steps while it is active. And yes, my heart rate goes up. It's not the same for me. And always, I'm always just talking about me. It's not the same as exercise where I bring my heart rate up, keep it up for an extended period of time and really bust a sweat. Now, of course, depending on how you're doing, you always want to consult your doctor when doing any kind of exercise program, but I'm up a little bit. And the other thing is too, is I'm the minute I'm done with work or whatever, I'm over to my brother to grab his van and just hitting the ground running, which means of course, I have a lot of food coming through my driver's side window and that is not a good option either. And so I I know what I'm doing wrong. I actually cooked a bunch of food on Sunday, so I don't find myself in that position anymore. And uh, I'm kind of giving myself a pass, not to eat whatever I want and do whatever I want, but right now I'm up against a time-based deadline. I have to get out by November, and I know that sounds like a long way away. It's not in my current situation. And so I'm not giving myself a hall pass to go crazy and just do stupid things. 
but I also know that this has to get done now. And so where maybe my health was my number one priority, it's now maybe my second. And that's bad because when I do that, that's when I gain weight. And hence, I'm up two pounds since uh, the last time we spoke. So it's a bit of a mirror. And I'm like, eh, you know what? You got to start doing things more efficiently. And really, all I need is a half hour, a half hour again. And that's what I kind of love about our guest today is she's great at just very politely, very lovingly holding up a mirror and going 30 minutes. You don't have 30 minutes. I'm just saying that's all you need is 30 minutes. And we'll hear my interview with Elizabeth Benton right after this. When it comes to food tracking, there's a new name in town, and that is Chronometer. It's a great app that gives you tons of stats, and their database is a whole lot more accurate than things like MyFitnessPal. Oh, and it's cheaper. One of my favorite things is if I have a food that's not in the database, I simply scan the label, and the software inputs the information for you. You can check out Chronometer by going to LogicalLoss.com slash food tracking. That's LogicalLoss.com slash food tracking. Have you checked out the Logical Weight Loss Resources section? We have things like calorie trackers, breath analyzers, water reminders, weight loss challenges, scales, fitness trackers, habit reinforcement, mental health, weight training. If you have sore muscles, we've got resources for that. Some of my favorite books, our favorite supplements, it's all there. Go over to LogicalLoss.com slash resources. What if you took the accountability of Weight Watchers and combined it with the support of a like-minded community and the spark of a weight loss challenge? Well, you can find out at monthlychallenge.fit. The next challenge starts on the 1st. Use the coupon code NOW100 to get your first month free. Go to monthlychallenge.fit. When it comes to food tracking, there's a new name in town, and that is Chronometer. It's a great app that gives you tons of stats, and their database is a whole lot more accurate than things like MyFitnessPal. Oh, and it's cheaper. One of my favorite things is if I have a food that's not in the database, I simply scan the label, and the software inputs the information for you. You can check out Chronometer by going to LogicalLoss.com slash food tracking. That's LogicalLoss.com slash food tracking. Have you checked out the Logical Weight Loss Resources section? We have things like calorie trackers, breath analyzers, water reminders, weight loss challenges, scales, fitness trackers, habit reinforcement, mental health, weight training. If you have sore muscles, we've got resources for that. Some of my favorite books, our favorite supplements, it's all there. Go over to LogicalLoss.com slash resources. What if you took the accountability of Weight Watchers and combined it with the support of a like-minded community and the spark of a weight loss challenge? Well, you can find out at monthlychallenge.fit. The next challenge starts on the 1st. Use the coupon code NOW100 to get your first month free. Go to monthlychallenge.fit. I am excited. I am here to tell you if you can only read one book 
on on weight loss. I loved this book from the minute I picked it up. The reason is it's kind of like tough love with a little bit of icing on top. It's not so much just shut up and eat less and exercise more. It's got great stories and you're completely transparent. And the other thing I loved about it is it's one thing to have somebody who's always been thin and they're like, oh, it's so hard for me. And you're like, no, no, no. Uh, Elizabeth has lost 150 pounds. And just for fun, you know, when you're bored with that, you've also dug yourself out of $130,000 worth of debt. That's amazing. And so when you said you would come on the show, I was ecstatic. Uh, You can check out her website, primalpotential.com. Elizabeth Benton, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's it's just one of those, the, the book, every time I listen to it, I would like listen to a chapter. I was walking around my neighborhood and every time I would get home, I'm like, I need to write some of this down. This is like, it was just really good stuff. But I want to start off with, you, you start off the story about how you grew up. So kind of share a little bit of your childhood and the routines that you used to have to go through. Oh man. Yeah. I was the token fat kid in an otherwise like thin family. And it it started harmlessly enough in, in terms of just being like a chubby kid. And I, I probably would have grown out of it, except for the fact that my mom really felt like it was a reflection on her parenting. Mm. She felt like taking us out people would look at her as less of a mom because she had an overweight child. So there was a ton of pressure on me from a very young age to lose weight. And I think my mom's intentions were very good, but her execution was very poor. And, you know, this was 30 some odd years ago. So there wasn't a ton of information available to her at that time. But I know you and I were talking before we hit record about one of the stories in the book where my mom thought it, that the simple answer was just exercise. If you just exercise a little bit more, the weight will come off. And so she decided I would run every day before school as like a seven, eight, nine year old. Yeah. So let me break in here. So I hear the story. I'm listening to the book and Elizabeth goes, and my mom decided that we should both go jogging. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, wow, what a mom to, you know, get up. And I'm picturing you both in your your track suits and getting up at 5 a.m. And then you said, and she was driving behind you in the station wagon. And I was like, what? I could not believe that. I was like, oh. Okay. If this happened in 2020, I swear somebody would call Child Protective Services on a parent. So imagine this like really overweight eight-year-old in a neon orange reflective vest running down the road while a wood paneled station wagon crawls behind, like kind of on the road, kind of off the road. So cars could get by. I mean, it was so bad and, and I hated it. I wasn't a runner and it felt like a punishment. And it was one of those things where if I didn't do my run before school, privileges were taken away. Um, I had to weigh myself in front of my mom every single morning. And that just got so destructive. I remember spitting into a cup as many times as possible, hoping that like, maybe that's, you know, in my child's brain, right? that'll just make the weight go down a little bit or cutting my hair or putting the shower on as hot as it would go and doing jumping jacks, thinking that I could like sweat out some sort of amount of weight that would make the number on the scale go down. And that, you know, being the, the only nine-year-old in Weight Watchers with a bunch of middle-aged, overweight women and my thin mom. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And th- and that's why I say, like, I feel like 
I probably would have grown out of what was likely just pretty normal kid stuff, mm. except for the fact that there was just so much shame and so much drama. It turned into sneaking food and all of that kind of stuff because I felt like my mom's going to restrict so severely what I can eat. And if she's not watching and there's cookies, I'm going to eat all of them because as soon as she's watching, I can't have them anymore. And that that just created many decades of disordered relationship with food. Yeah. I If we look at that, if, if you were you were talking about if this happened today, because I, I was in a situation I have a, a I have three uh, I have two great nieces and one great nephew. And the, the youngest one. I think she's all of maybe six at this point. And every time I see her, it's Cheetos and fries and can I have another Coke? And she started to kind of like, like, okay, this is a little more than baby fat. And it, I, I was kind of thinking, I, because I, I've heard other people that have, have kind of been in this situation, how the minute you put a flashlight on it, it makes it worse. So what would be your advice? I think that there's there's many great ways and there's many really destructive ways. And and most of the time, they all have really wonderful intentions. Mm -hmm. What I say is say nothing, say nothing. Now, that doesn't mean do nothing, because especially in the role of parent, we have the opportunity to be a really powerful influence. And and so much of what our children do is based on what they see us do. And especially when we're talking in, in in your example about a six year old, they're going to eat what's in the house. So if the number one thing is, let's make sure that in the house, we're setting great examples of why, why do we pick the food that we pick, right? It really is to fuel our bodies. So the things like the Skittles and the, and the Twinkies and that sort of stuff, that can be an occasional treat, but that's not what we think of as everyday food because everyday food, we're really here to nourish our bodies. So a lot of it comes down to what is the example that the parents are setting? There are a lot of parents who eat healthy, but do so in front of their kids because they're dieting or because they should or because, you know, they want to be good. And they start to use that language that makes it very much about aesthetics and kids don't get the point. So I always use the analogy of a lighthouse and lighthouses don't save boats by going out into the water and and drawing them in that they don't do that. They they save people by being a light so bright mm. that that we're we're not going to you know we're not going to crash a bright a light so bright that that others are drawn to it and I see that as a real opportunity to be an influence on children. It starts with you. You be that example. You show them what it means to fuel your body brilliantly, to treat yourself with respect, to have food be about nourishing your body. Because at the end of the day. Our bodies are these very complex machines. And the only thing, it's not like, you know, a car where you take it to the gas station and you fill it up and then there's oil changes and there's this and that and the other thing. The only thing that our body has for repair and maintenance and healing is the fuel we give it through the food we eat. That's it. That is something we've got to demonstrate to kids, not in what we say, but in what we do and how we think in how we operate with food. So I just tell parents, be a lighthouse. It starts with you, your negative self-talk, the choices you make, the choices you don't make, the the way that you have a relationship with food. That's what's going to teach your kids. Yeah. The six, yeah, the six year old did not drive themselves to McDonald's. So that's, that's a, right. Yeah. And in this case, uh, Older brother started playing football uh, and her older sister started becoming a cheerleader, uh, which is hilarious when you're like a seven year old cheerleader. That's great. And uh, so she wanted to mimic 
what they were doing. Again, going back to the lighthouse, in this case, the lighthouse being her brother and sister. And that problem is then rectified herself because she just started running around all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know in the book you mentioned at one point you were still, you hadn't lost the weight yet and you were going to classes about nutrition. So there are people I know that are worried about going to the gym because they're big or, or things like that. How did you mentally deal with that? Oh, it was tough. It was tough. And it, and it was a deeply rooted shame, you know, something that started when I was little, just because I knew how my family felt about my weight. And, and more than that, at the time, I was working in the supplement industry where I had to educate large groups of people on stage under bright lights as a 350 pound woman. But, you know, I can't, it's tough to, to look back and, and tell somebody, you just got to do it anyway, because I know how emotionally difficult that can be. But I'll tell you where my perspective is now is that we have to remove ourselves from the center of the story, right? That fear, that insecurity that says oh, people are going to laugh at me if I go to the gym or I don't want to go to this party because of what I'm wearing or whatnot. It's debilitating because you have yourself squarely at the center of the story. And as much as we can see our lives as all about us to other people. They're not all about us. And so one of the practices that I have with myself that I have with my clients is what does it look like to remove yourself from the center of the story? And that helps me a lot. Yeah. Cause I know we always think, Oh, people are going to look at me at the gym. And then one of the things I always say is when you go to the gym, see how much attention you pay to everybody else. The only thing I do is I look at the, if I'm on a, like a treadmill, I might glance at the person next to me, because if they're like, I don't know, 78 and they're walking faster than I am, I feel <laughs> I feel a little bad. Like, all right, I can't grandpa cannot outdo me here. I think the other thing that I'm dying to hear is how do you find trusted sources for information? I actually think we rely way too much on, on learning because you're going to find an opinion and a reason and a criticism for absolutely anything. But when it comes to fuel, we can just use common sense. Let's eat more whole foods than processed foods. Let's not give our bodies more than it needs, right? Whether you take that as keto, as vegan, it really doesn't matter. But let's don't get yourself sidelined because you want to find the right answer to the right protocol. I don't believe in treating food like a religion. I have to either believe in keto or I don't, or I believe in veganism or I don't. And I have to subscribe to this. And if I make a choice that isn't aligned with those rules, then I've somehow screwed up. Nope. We just need to eat mostly whole foods. We need to minimize toxins. We need to move our bodies and indulgences need to be indulgences and not daily things, right? Move towards that. Not as a starting on Monday. Good advice, Elizabeth. I'm going to do that. No. How can you incorporate that today in a way that is an improvement for you? Yeah. I love how you mentioned in your book, you're like, somebody will say, well, I'm doing this and that. And you'll go, okay, well, is it working? And they're like, that's where you start. Is it working? Yes. Okay. Keep doing that. You know, mm -hmm. really, sometimes I think we want to overcomplicate things. Um, what about the person that, because the thing I loved about it is a lot of this really isn't about how much weight to lift and how many carbs to eat. It really was about getting your brain right. Yeah. And what about the person that figures out that, okay, I didn't get enough hugs. My dad wasn't in my life, whatever the thing was. So they like, okay, this is why I have issues. But even coming to that conclusion, 
doesn't somehow like they don't hear like, oh, and then all of a sudden they're not hungry anymore. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice for that person that's like, okay, I think I figured out that my childhood wasn't great, but for some reason I'm still finding myself looking at the fridge at a quarter to 11. So sometimes there's a real desire to get like a PhD in the psychology of the problem, which is totally unrelated to the solution, right? I, if you want to understand why you turn to food and all of that, I say, hey, if you want to explore that with a therapist, do it. But let's not get it twisted. The problem doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the solution. So I always encourage people to, to separate those two, the problem and the solution. How can you make today better than yesterday? What would it look like for you to go to bed tonight feeling proud of yourself? What is something that you're willing to do that's just a slight improvement from your norm? And again, if you want to dive into the psychology of the problem, do that. But understand that working on the solution is often very separate. Uh, Can I give you a pop quiz? Please. Oh, You talk how you always walk around with an affirmation card. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have it with you and can you share a couple? Oh, absolutely. One of them is uh, fear is a liar because I create my results. Mm. I I just love that one that that speaks to me every single day. And, and, and my affirmations change depending on kind of what I'm what I'm working on. But like I'm a creative, energetic problem solver. That is one of my big ones. I use it in business. I use it in marriage. I use it in regards to food and working out. I am a creative, energetic problem solver. I'm not going to sit here and whine and complain. What can I do to participate in the solution? And then I fuel my body brilliantly. That's so important to me. I, I just want to treat this body of mine with respect. And uh, I think consistency over perfection. Now, what do you say to the person? Because I used to be this person. I'm not anymore. But what do you say to the person who says, ah, affirmations sound a little too woo-woo for me? You've got affirmations. You just might call them something different, right? When I would say to myself, I'm just an emotional eater. I'm really great at losing weight, terrible at keeping it off. I'm not motivated. Those are affirmations. Mm, Just the wrong ones. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't believe in them, I say to you, okay, you might use a different word for it, like thoughts, but they're still affirmations. You are affirming a pattern of behavior. People who say, I can do so well all day, but at night the wheels fall off. That is an affirmation. And when it comes to mindset and people's resistance to do to do the mindset work, because because that's 100% of the work I do is mindset. And the reason for that is nothing and no one will coach you more than the voice in your own head. When you open up the refrigerator at 930 at night or when your alarm goes off in the morning, the decision you make is a direct result of that coach in your head. That is you. When you upgrade the way that you think, you naturally improve the choices you make. What I see with a lot of my clients is no matter what they subscribe to, what new plan they start, no matter how motivated they are, charged up, geared up, the length of the plan and all of that, the same excuses follow them from plan to plan to plan to plan. So it's, I'll start tomorrow. I'm just too stressed out. Life is crazy right now. Until you upgrade your mindset, you will continue to have those excuses be a barrier no matter what path you're on. When we become a better thinker, our excuses don't hold water. They just don't have the same strength and conviction as they did before we upgraded our mindset. So no one and nothing will coach you more than the voice in your own head. Every single decision you make is a function of that. And I see it day in and day out with my clients. 
when you upgrade the way that you think, every other decision that you make gets easier. I love the line in the book. You said, if you don't think affirmations will work, go into your kid's bathroom and write, you suck on the mirror every morning. And I was like, well, nobody would do that. And I was exactly. like, such a great example of, okay, there's no power in words. Fine. Do this. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm a believer now. So yeah, that's, uh, that was amazing. What, uh, what inspired you to, to, to write the book? I remember being in probably the, the seventh grade and it was right before I was going back to school and I had once again pledged, I'm going to lose all this weight over the summer and I'm going to go back to school and people aren't even going to recognize me. I'm going to look amazing. and I'm going to have all these friends. No, mom, I don't need to go uh, shopping for a school uniform because I'm going to be able to wear my sister's who is really thin because I'm going to have lost this weight. And then it's like right time to go back to school. And sure enough, my school uniform doesn't fit and I've only gained weight over the summer and I don't want to go back and I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed. And I remember crying to my mom and to my aunt and saying, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to write a book. So I always knew it was coming. It was just a matter of the right time. And there's no such thing as the right time, but I just decided a few years ago, I'm writing this book because I know it can help people now and I don't want to hold off. Where do you think you get your determination from? Because a lot of people just quit and you didn't. The idea of quitting means I choose this for life. I don't want to change it. You know, if I say, and I had so many moments of frustration and disappointment with myself and disappointment with the process and confusion and all of those strong emotions. But to me, to quit says, this is okay for the rest of my life. And I believe we only get one shot at this life. And I'm just not going to quit. Things take way longer than I than I hoped that they would or than I thought that they would. But as long as I'm alive, I'm not quitting. There you go. And the thing I loved about it, too, again, going back to your transparency, you, you say in the book at times like, you know, I'm not still a fan at times of exercise and I'm not really a fan of doing this either. But you know what happens if you quit doing it? And I just love the fact that Again, you're just so transparent and said, here's what it's going to do. And, and the combination of analogies and kind of tough love, like nobody really makes you like nobody's holding a gun to my head to to like eat this pie or, you know, you're a goner. So those all the excuses get shot down. Uh, Chasing Cupcakes is the name of the book. Check out her website, primalpotential.com. There are tons of things over there. I definitely want to take your nutrition class. There are all sorts of, again, kind of mindset courses. You can get personalized coaching. Anything else I'm missing over at primalpotential.com? No, I mean, the podcast is really a great place to get a sense of, of you know, the way that I approach change in general, no matter what kind of change uh, that it is. So, yeah, the podcast is called Primal Potential. We've got over 800 episodes now. Um, and then anything else you can find at primalpotential.com. Again, I just love her approach. That last answer to me just makes so much sense. Why didn't you quit? Well, because I don't want to feel this way and I don't want to look this way. If you go out to her website again, primalpotential.com, it is uh, her about page is amazing because you can see her transformation and it just, you look at it and you go, wait, is that the same person? And then you just see there's, uh, let's see, there's eight pictures of her. And the very first one, you go, no, that's no way. That's, yeah, it's amazing. And also, I should point out that, uh, again, check out her her podcast if you haven't already. I have. I love it. But also, speaking of free stuff, because the podcast is free, if you go to LogicalLoss.com slash free book, LogicalLoss.com slash free book, you can get the book, Chasing Cupcakes, 
And that is free if you're new to Audible. That's my little deal I have with them. It's uh, Chasing Cupcakes, How One Broke Fat Girl Transformed Her Life and How You Can Too. And if you're new to Audible, you can sign up for that and get the book for free. Now, if you don't want a subscription to Audible, you can cancel your subscription and keep the book for free. And again, you can do that by going to LogicalLoss.com slash free book. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until we meet again, remember... The only person that can stop you is you. We'll see you again real soon. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. If you're listening to this on a website, please consider subscribing to us for free on iTunes by going to LogicalLoss.com forward slash iTunes. You can contact me via email by sending an email to Dave at LogicalLoss.com or call in your comments toll free 888-563-3228. You can sign up for our free newsletter and participate in our forums at our website, which is LogicalLoss.com. Our theme music is courtesy of SkinnySongs.com. Thanks again for listening. You know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power when it's acted upon. You can do this. Live right. Lose weight. Live long. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it. Thin. I want to try it. Thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to. Till you lie